0: Welcome to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum Podcast, where we speak to members and ask them to share some property industry insights and at the same time, get to know our industry colleagues a little better. My guest today is Anthony Demetris, Project Director at Avon. Anthony has more than 15 years' experience on large-scale property developments, both nationally and internationally. Anthony's ability to quickly translate complex development or acquisition issues into financial options and outcomes led to his appointment as Development Manager for Avid Property Group's $3 billion Harmony residential project on the Sunshine Coast. Anthony played an integral role in negotiations with key stakeholders, including local and state governments, and helped successfully negotiate the Palmview Infrastructure Agreement, enabling the go-ahead of the project with master plan approval. Anthony now leads AVID's Queensland development team. Outside of work, Anthony follows the NBA and is a die-hard Michael Jordan fan. He makes his home with his wife, daughter and a purebred Labradoodle with a new addition to the family due shortly. I also have it on good authority that if he wasn't producing exceptional developments, he would be a music producer. Thanks for joining us on the Development Drum, Anthony.
1: Thanks for having me, Kirsty.
0: Do need to go into a bit of detail around the Labradoodle, but I'll tell you why in a sure, second. Sure. But But um, sounds like a good addition to the family.
1: Yeah, she's a beautiful dog. It's actually a Cobber dog. A Cobber with, dog. A Cobber dog, which is actually a purebred breed in itself, but it is a purebred Labradoodle. Right. Uh, They're bred for their genetic qualities to be great assistance dogs. Okay. Um, And is she? She helps. My wife's a lawyer um, and has her own mediation and law firm and has a lot of trauma-informed clients, so she uses our puppy dog to help in the office. um, Excellent. Which is well-received, particularly with families. Yes. Um, But but at home, she's just a beautiful dog.
0: Yes. I've got two Grudels. Yeah, nice. And I can say that they are absolutely no help, more
1: hindrance.
0: (laughs) Maybe we need to pivot to a, a cobber dog. A cobber dog. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dogs. Right. And tax deduction.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah well is done.
0: <laughs> Got a little uniform for it. Oh, yeah. Excellent. There's something in that. Now, Anthony, you have a strong background in finance. How do you apply that to your current role?
1: yeah, I do have a, a reasonably strong finance background. Look, I think it applies every day and everything I do. If I could probably compartmentalise into two areas, the first one's really in understanding how development decisions translate into commercial outcomes yeah. and and obviously whether or not you're a not-for-profit or a traditional sort of commercially based development or property firm, there's always some kind of KPI around finance. So to understand how that translates is, I think is a really important skill to have. Mm-hmm. The other way for me in my current role is Avid's owned by a funds management business, which means we have some incredibly intelligent, quite scarily intelligent um, private equity professionals who are our shareholders and directors. And um, being able to speak their lingo is quite helpful.
0: Yes, I imagine. And you did have a background in investment banking prior to development. So what made that change for you? What made you make that leap?
1: Yeah, Look, my background isn't I guess traditional in a, in a property sense. But I think what I'm seeing these days is that there's less traditional sort of uh, means of people getting to where they ultimately end up. I started as a investment compliance and risk analyst for a wow. hedge fund wow. while I was studying postgrad. And, you know, I was straight out of university studying my master's and didn't have a clue about anything, um, but uh, had aspirations to be an investment banker and sort of cut my teeth in that compliance world, which I think gave me a really strong governance and risk analytic background, Yes, more so than understanding what it was we're actually investing in at the time because it was really quite complex stuff. But I think um, from there, property's always been in my blood. My dad owned a bunch of real estate agencies down along the far New South Wales coast from sort of... um, pots full down to um, or up to Tweed Heads. Yep. I was always in and about real estate agencies. And, yes. and then he started dipping his toe in a couple of little developments around the place. And in summer, I'd be down watering the turf on a duplex that he's just built somewhere. And I just really, really enjoyed it. And as I kind of progressed through my first job and I'd completed my master's and I thought, well, now I want to move on. So it's, for me, it was either Macquarie Bank or Goldman Sachs. Yes. And they were the two that I was really keen to try and navigate my way into. And I was lucky to land a role in Macquarie which actually started working with the real estate investment banking team, but in their residential arm. So, back then it was called, there was the Urban Pacific and Medalists. Oh, well, of um, course, So, yes. yeah, they were the groups that I, although at the bank level, was kind of working through and yeah. did a bit of acquisitions there. And then, you know, the GFC came rolling mm. around and they tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, we think you should maybe become a transaction manager instead, which was kind of them to do because the flow on of what happened after that wasn't overly pretty. Mm. Uh, but yeah, then I started to do a lot of transaction management work, which is a really interesting role because it was, again, it was almost that intermediary between the development team and the boards. Yeah. So, I was able to go and understand what was happening on the sites, but then I had to go sit in JVPCGs and the mm. like to, in, in order to kind of translate what was happening to. So, I think that's where I really sort of learnt how to understand um development. And then from there, I think I just kind of progressed working on a few projects here and internationally. And But then interestingly, then I went from there to Deloitte doing pure mergers and acquisitions yeah, and, right. and sort of stepped back out of the property industry for yes. a couple of years uh, and then ultimately joined then investor now at yes. the property group almost 10 years ago.
0: Is that right? Yeah. So 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's been a pretty fun journey to be honest. Yes. It's, yeah. It's a fabulous company. So I
0: imagine. I you would have seen tremendous growth. In that yeah, time,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, we when we started, or when I started, we were part of the bigger investor property group team, and we sp- ultimately spun off the development team back in 20. 20- I think it was, when we sort of created our own business and that's where Avid was launched. But I mean, there's 20, 30 years of pedigree in the business. We rebranded to Avid in 2015. And I mean, that was a tumultuous little period in itself because, you know, we were moving from being owned by a bigger fund through to our own development company, privately owned. And yeah, and then the growth from there has been just phenomenal. We were taken over, launched the business, launched Harmony, and then- yeah. And then in twenty nineteen we acquired Yes, um, of course. Acquired Villaworld and yeah, so the the company's grown both in its capacity, its portfolio ownership, but also just in its I think in the way that we do business and the way that we've sort of changed um, how we deliver properties under the supervision of some super senior, mm. super capable people. So
0: And I imagine too over that time, those roots in risk and governance would have served you very well. Mm. Um compared to, to where we are now 15, 20 years ago it was a very different landscape in terms of how we dealt with acknowledged, managed, particularly risk.
1: Yeah, and look, if I can be so brazen as to say, the last 10 years been pretty good. Mm. Um, you know, I think understanding how to manage and deliver good development outcomes in quite risky mm. and, you know, economically uncertain times, yep. you learn a lot. Yes. Um, and I think for me... Growing up in those sort of very corporatized, highly governed groups has certainly gave me an opportunity to learn from a lot of really senior people, particularly mm. in that risk space, given the bank was, um, yes. you know, obviously lending money and needed to understand that risk profile. So, mm. I think for me, learning about the risk side of things and understanding um, what appropriate governance is, it can go too far, yes. um, uh, but understanding appropriate governance and then applying that on a risk basis, I think, yeah, certainly very much helped me. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that mm. coming into the market over the next, well, it's already happening now and over the next sort of 12 to 24 months. And I think those who have a really strong yep. understanding of risk and governance, it'll serve them well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, your current role involves you overseeing the Queensland Avid portfolio. What does that involve? Just a lot of fun, I yeah, imagine.
1: it is. Look, I think for me- I stepped into my current role a few years ago now and a little bit bittersweet at the time because it meant that I had to step away from sort of running Harmony yeah. on, a, on a day-to-day basis, which I thoroughly enjoyed. But my role now, we've got about 12 projects in the portfolio that I oversee uh, across the developments business in Queensland from you know active big master plan communities mm-hmm. um, like Harmony and we've got another one out at Green Bank, Cavello with the joint venture partner out there. We've got, um, and then all the way through to integrated Villawalt Homes um, by AVID um, developments where we build the homes yes. and or townhouses, whatever it could be. So, you know, from Gladstone down to the Gold Coast. Um, so, it's a pretty big geographical mm. reach, but most of the developments are within the um Southeast Queensland.
0: And you would have seen some challenges in the last two years in particular in terms of construction costs and skills and trade, particularly given the the building side of the business.
1: Yeah, definitely. The residential Construction industry really felt it first. I think it's no secret. We were seeing cost pressures from sort of 12, 15 months ago, and, you know, our build team were sort of communicating mm-hmm. and the cost increases. It got to a point whereby, you know, you, suppliers wouldn't hold a quote for more than an hour unless you prepaid, whereas previously they were 90 day terms yes. and it just sort of turned on its head within probably. A month, it felt like. Yeah. And those headwinds really stayed for a long time and they're, they're starting to dissipate. We're starting to see a little bit of competitiveness come back into pricing yes. on the domestic build space. Certainly in the civil space, that lagged by probably mm. six to nine months, but sort of from maybe six months ago, the civil contracting space has really started to see those cost increases flow through as yeah. well. But not only cost increases, also um, time delays yes. on procurement, yes. and that's really hurting programs and obviously throw the weather into it, which has been yeah. pretty unkind to a lot of people over a Lot of geographical area, the last sort of twelve months, it's been a bloody hard.
0: It has been yeah. a really challenging time, and and to me, it's been fascinating from my perspective, but incredibly challenging. I'm imagining walking in someone like your shoes, where the removal of one particular contractor, we're talking about retaining rules mm-hmm. when if one particular contractor decides it's too hot, and they're going to come out of the market for a little while, that can disrupt the ability to be able to get a quote tender. Yeah. Well, that's exactly filled. what happens. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, so you go from having maybe three, what we would call, I guess, top-tier yeah. retaining wall contractors, you take that from three to two, particularly in a corridor out in sort of the Western mm. Corridor near um, Brisbane, Ipswich, uh, so Ipswich, Green Bank area, where there is a lot of topography in the land and almost every development has benched and retained lots. Mm. It puts a lot of pressure on your civil contractor to find the alternatives. So, you know, you are then taking risks on mid-tier contractors in the hope that that works out. We've been really lucky with the contractors that we've, or that our civil contractors have worked with and continue to work with. But yeah, it's a real challenge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, you were part of the AVID team during the merger with Villa World. What observations and lessons did you learn from that process?
1: I was uh, part of the team. So I sat on the deal team or AVID, part of the project due diligence um, group, from a process perspective, I guess being an MA advisor in a prior life, I think I had a good understanding of what the process should look like. Yes. Um,
0: and did it play out like that? Oh, no,
1: not no. really. It <laughs> never does. Um, I think that's part of the, well, like one of the observations I think for me is preparation and planning is key. Yes. Um, buying an asset is very different to buying a company. Yeah. Uh, So I'm sure a lot of um, the listeners um, have probably worked on with the CapTrans team buying assets. uh, And that's always good fun. And, you you know, if you're lucky enough, you might get a little due diligence period and you go away and do all your research. When you're buying a company, the real estate is one component of the transaction Mm -hmm. and then you've got obviously the legal, the IT, the people, the tax. It's quite a complex and you're not typically given – that much longer to buy a company than you are to buy a single asset. So I think when Avid acquired Villa World back in 2019, there's 27 assets in that portfolio, most of which were in Queensland at the time. And I think the due diligence timeframe on that was around about eight weeks uh, of formal due diligence um, to buy 27 assets um, in a company that was – nearly half a billion dollars. So it was a good, fun process. It's hard and fast. Yes. Um, a lot of people say, you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. No, it's a eight-week sprint. You've mm. really got to strap yourself in and be prepared to do the hard yards. So.
0: And I imagine that transaction obviously happens and then the real fun mm. must begin in terms of integrating those two companies with, I imagine, different IT systems, different culture, different type of assets.
1: Yeah, look, the integration piece is never easy. If you were to read sort of the literature on how you should integrate, there is typically a couple of ways in which you can do it. The way we went down was really sort of being open and inquisitive and trying to take the best of both businesses. And I think we did that. It's hard work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think just geographically as well mm. in this specific acquisition head office was Broadbeach. So, yes, there was 80 odd people down there. Yes, that, you know, um, my current manager, Bruce Harper, and I had to sort of go and sit in and and it was hard because inevitably there are some people who, you know, embrace it uh, Mm. and get on board and they're the ones who ultimately do really well. Some people don't like the change and ultimately make a decision that's best for them and that's fine. And there are others that are sort of just impartial and just happy to be there and do their job. Um, But, yeah, uh, I think what you find is until you actually get the keys, you're not sure... What you're going to get, I guess, from a culture perspective. And um, even though on paper we were very similar businesses, we were quite different. So, yes. um, but look, I think, you know, from all accounts, the acquisition on Avid's part is highly successful. We love the assets that we've got. We've got some fabulous people join the team. So, yeah, Great. I think all in all. And doing the strategic MA deals is something that we are, we're interested Open in doing. Team. And, yeah. you know, it's a good way to pick up a number of a portfolio of assets with going concerns. So. Yeah.
0: Now, I imagine asking you which is your favourite project is <laughs> people would liken to asking you who's your favourite <laughs> yeah. child. It's really easy when you're sort of a parent of only one, which I am. So, I can always answer that question. But Harmony undoubtedly would hold a very important part of...
1: Yeah, it, look, it does. And I think if you ask anyone in our team, they will just assume that Harmony's my favourite. Look, it's it definitely holds a strong place in my heart. Yep. I've been working on that project with Bruce Harper, our state GM here, for 10 years since I've been here. When I started... There was a planning scheme and an infrastructure agreement that had been signed up by Bruce's predecessors in 2010. I joined in 2012. I think Bruce joined in 2011. And it was quickly kind of determined that it was completely commercially unviable. Yes, so we had okay. to go back and renegotiate. So I think Bruce saw some skill set that I had to be able to navigate the commerce yes. of these complex contracts and agreements. And we went back and sort of smashed it out for another three years, trying to renegotiate to finally get it. So I think for me, being involved in the, I guess, the very early infrastructure agreement negotiations or renegotiations and the planning scheme negotiations and then actually setting up the project and the vision, it's hard not to be emotionally... And then um, they threw me the keys and said, can you go launch it back in 2015, 16? So moved the family up to Sunshine Coast and off we went. So... Yeah, it's been an incredibly successful project, not only for the business, but also, I think, generally for the market. Mm, um, it's been really
0: important for the Sunshine Coast market. I mean, it's, you know, incredible uh, contribution to supply and yeah, diversity. and
1: Yeah, look, I mean, we I think 2020 in that – and it's rolling 12-month period in 2020, we did over 1,000 sales. And that puts you in pretty rare air um, mm-hmm. as far as residential development goes, as only probably – A handful that I'm aware of nationally that kind of hit that number. Um, So, I think, yes, we certainly did our fair share to contribute to land supply in a highly constrained um, catchment, which we're very proud of, but also we didn't deviate from our vision at Harmony. We knew what we wanted to achieve and we knew what we thought would be, we're the guardians of this project and we could have sold a lot more. We you know, we didn't sell through the investment channels yeah. at a time where there was prolific selling through the investment channels. Not that there's anything wrong with selling through investment channels, but when you're establishing a project of that scale, you need to make sure that it presents beautifully. Yes. And I think one of the things that I'm really proud of what we do at Avid generally, not just at Harmony, but Often in a lot of projects, you drive down the main boulevard and it looks beautiful and that's Mm. you can see if you heat map where the money's spent, you can tell. But for us, we want to make sure that you drive into any of the local access streets and they still look beautiful and it's lush landscaping and it's well presented and the covenants are actually managed properly. And for us, we take a lot of pride in knowing that you can drive into any of the streets around Harmony or Cavella or um, even our townhouse projects for that matter. And it's not obvious that someone has invested more time, energy or money in this street over yes. somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think we really focused on. And the vision for Harmony at the time, um, we really haven't deviated. And that's one of the things that I think I'm most proud of. I was going to
0: ask you that. When we, you walk away from Harmony, what will you look back on and think, yeah, gee, that was a really important decision? And
1: Yeah, I think we spent a lot of time early in trying to set up the projects, not just from a planning and an urban design perspective, which we did, and I'm yes. really, really proud about Um, the work that we've done there and I think we were very ahead of the whole sort of integrated, legible grid networks that are sort of quite topical in a planning sense now. I think Peter Edgerton, who's a good friend of the UDAs and has been working on Harmony for longer than I have, was instrumental in working up the urban design of the project and I think what that's created is a very beautiful but connected, easily accessible to open space through to future retail centres I just think it works really well. Yes. Uh, so, I'm really, really proud of that. And I think I'll walk away being really proud that that's a good urban outcome. Community, very cliche, but seeing how people interact within Harmony is is quite special. Yeah i use a couple of examples. My father-in-law lives in Harmony. He was the first one to settle on a block of land in Harmony and move in. Did
0: you give him an ice block, Anthony?
1: He did get an ice block. He paid full price. Did he? he uh, he Good, good. To to, to his disgust, he paid full price. (laughs) But look, he went to his uh, neighbor's third birthday party who lives opposite side of the street, five houses down. Yeah,
0: how lovely. And that kind
1: of stuff just doesn't happen in residential communities anymore. So, we invested a lot of time energy and money in setting up those community and social um, frameworks early because it's difficult to retrospectively come yes. in and try and create something that feels organic.
0: Yeah.
1: So, we spent a lot of time and energy making sure that yeah. happened. And another example that I use, and again, these are very cliche style community examples, but we had a, a release probably 12 months ago and that was at a time where people were camping for days and we really had to tell people, look, please go home, there's no release today. It was that, it got quite crazy. But I like to go out there on release day and just talk to the people and understand what sort of their aspirations of living in harmony was. And there were these two women who were both had camped overnight and both waiting in line and I was talking to them about what was coming and at that point in time we were building some soccer fields and <laughs> um, both of them were talking about how they've got a both had I think at the time five or six year old boys and they both wanted to play soccer yeah they were both like, oh, well maybe you could join the soccer club when it's launched and that was all very fun yeah. and then an hour later they both walked out of the offices and like oh you know did you get a block yeah did you get a block yeah and they ended up being neighbours
0: oh how lovely and
1: I just thought like <laughs> That yeah. kind of stuff is really special Yeah, uh, to know that you're building the community infrastructure, trying to set up the social frameworks to connect people, but then they it just happens it organically. Happens. And just watching that evolve over time, I think, is something really special.
0: Yeah, it's not due to luck, is it? There's a huge amount of thinking and yeah. investment that goes into that.
1: Yeah, look, there is. Uh, but I think you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. And I think that's where I believe Avid probably excels over a lot of it, our peers in the community space community is something that a lot of people say that they do. And I think, yes, we offer the yoga and the boot camps and all that kind of stuff. But it's finding those community leaders and empowering those people to want to lead their friends around them. And the Sunshine Coast is a really unique place because there's a significant portion of small business owners and these people want to support each other. So, creating things like a, a business hub whereby we find out who all the local sparkies and plumbers are. So, you can find them on our Harmony website and support your neighbours rather than going on Google and bringing someone else in. Yeah. So, I think it's all that stuff that Yes, it's a lot of work and but then you get to a point where it's become self fulfilling. And that's the goal. I mean, we will ultimately step away from harmony once we've finished up with all of our development there, but our hopes are that the community is still invested. They're still doing things for themselves yeah. and holding events and, yeah.
0: Yeah. You got any netball courts at Harmony, Anthony?
1: Uh, look, we, we don't. Oh,
0: gee, crocky. Okay, we'll have to fix that. You well, know that. Let, let, let me How explain. many stages have we got let, left to sort that explain. out? Let me explain.
1: We actually had a lot of net. We sponsor the Sunshine Coast Lightning who are in the Suncorp Super Netball Cup We jumped on board the Lightning sponsorship in their inaugural year and that worked out pretty well. very successful for you, yes. But not only that, I mean four of the athletes live in harmony. Yeah, fantastic. Um, So I became reasonably good friends with the team and knowing through who is the former coach there and is a very respected coach. So, we actually came in and started designing some courts together and just so happened that council wasn't keen on it. So Right. So, take it
0: up with council, you think? Yeah. Gee, okay. Well, there's. I'm busy this afternoon then. (laughs) Now, I think I might know the answer to this question, but have you had someone really important throughout your career that's really sort of served as a, a mentor and and help guide you through?
1: Yeah, look, definitely. I'll touch on a few of the early things, but I'll, I'll come back to Bruce. When I first started working for the hedge fund back in the day, I was academically overqualified with no experience. And that's a pretty hard place to be in when you're trying to find a job. Yes. And I just so happened to find this company who I had a senior, a manager and her director, both female, both I think saw a lot of me in them um, and gave me a chance. And that was something that I really valued. Fast forward into when I was in Macquarie, I didn't really have a mentor as such, but I was surrounded by some really intelligent people, which was great to learn from. And there was always a lot of opportunity to ask. But the difference at Macquarie was your manager was two or three years older than you were. So everyone's jostling for bonuses or to be recognised or just to be seen. So I think that was a really – high pace, but quite cutthroat environment, not overly supportive, great yes. company. I can't tell you how much I value my time at Macquarie. And I genuinely believe I have managed to be able to get what I've done mm. because of the time I've spent there. So, I would never change anything about it, to be honest. But when I joined then Investor, now Avid, I actually came in as a state finance manager. Oh, okay. Uh, and I wasn't actually reporting directly to Bruce and I was reporting to the CFO, but Bruce being in Sydney took a liking to me and vice versa. And he's the kind of guy who you spend like hours or days researching something or analysing something or coming up with options or proposals and then you go and present it and, and then you present it and you feel really quite proud of yourself. Yes. And then he's like, have you thought about this? And you're like, oh, no, uh, I haven't." <laughs> um, and that's just because he's, yeah, he's so experienced incredible. and – I think to have somebody like Bruce who's been genuinely committed to develop me in my career and and has been, I think, taken quite a lot of pride in helping me and developing my skill set and involving me through the process. Yeah, so by far he's been the sort of equally we've got some really senior and uh Very talented people in the executive team within Avid who, you know, have also been really, really supportive of my career as well. So I couldn't be more thankful for the support that I've got from the Avid business, particularly Bruce.
0: Yeah, he's obviously been incredibly generous with his time and expertise, as he is across the industry. Yeah,
1: yeah. And look, I mean, I think it's quite unusual for someone I've been in the business now for nearly 10 years in December, and I've had the same general manager and the same ceo the whole time fantastic. so to have stability. That continuity yep. and stability i think is quite unusual so I, yeah i couldn't be more thankful
0: yeah fantastic now thinking back to your 20 year old self mm. anthony so a couple of weeks ago surely just
1: 3 or 4 years yeah, ago that, you know.
0: <laughs> what piece of professional advice would you give that young fresh faced 20 year old anthony
1: yeah um, i think the first bit of advice i'd probably give is just relax yeah it's that mm. whole notion of being super eager to make that next step. I was never settled. I was, yeah, never, okay. I was never okay to be doing what I was doing. I was always focused on where to go next. Yeah. And and I think as a result of that, I probably gave me a lot of drive to work quite hard. But I think just to, you're not running out of time, just sort of take a breath. And really was, again, just back to when I moved across with Avid, Sort of accepting where I was and knowing that I was in a place that was supportive of me and my growth. And that was, it was really at that point when my career took off. Yes. So I think that I'd probably give that bit of advice. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, the challenges that life throws at you sounds cliche, but you get a lot of opportunities out of it. Yes. Be accepting of them. I think I would have told myself to probably put my hand up a bit more to let people know that I was probably had taken on a bit too much work. Yes. Um, but I think as well, I was also very good at putting my hand up and asking to be involved in things, mm-hmm. uh, which I wouldn't change. Yeah. Um, I think just be humble. Yeah. Um, I think I w- I'd like to think I was back then. Um, still are. Still am, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that was something that I think I definitely want to. Um, but I'd also say if you're going into a job interview, be prepared, know who you're speaking to, do your research, be on time, overdress. Yeah. Yes. And follow up with some gratitude the next day, I think. Yeah. In all the interviews I've done over my years, I don't think I've had anyone who's ticked off all those boxes. Yeah, So quite I think it's um, something that uh, I think is a very worthwhile skill. Um, it's not difficult. I probably didn't have the experience or the people around me to mentor me, to let me know that's what I should have done. So yes. I, I certainly didn't tick all those boxes when yeah. I was interviewing. But I think you'll stand out if you do.
0: What do you see as the, the current trend on that, Anthony? Where are, where are people sort of falling short in that those interviews?
1: I'm seeing people, well, I think one of the trends I'm seeing is a real, or from certainly from my perspective, a perceived desire for, a lot more flexibility, mm. which is okay, and I think working in a flexible workplace is very important. But I want to f- feel that these people are passionate yes. about wanting to join the industry and join the business. And for me, being focused on what's your work from home policy um, doesn't
0: give you that impression of being no, alien, does
1: it? No, mm. it doesn't, um, and that's okay. I mean, people again, you know, there's flexibility out there, and that's mm. great. And I'm pro-flexibility, but I think some advice I'd give to anyone listening at the moment, go to the office, Mm -hmm. work from home, is cool every now and then, but you don't get invited into meetings by accident if you're sitting at home. Yeah. That's where you learn. You learn from all the people around you. Go to the office and learn from people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I imagine working from home that copper dogs and grudels can be very distracting as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. they (laughs) they can be. These are all important things to think about. Uh,
1: They are are (laughs) very important things.
0: Well, Anthony, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on the development drum today. Thank you for your time. And thank you for all too that you do for our members and and also for the industry as well. It's it's great to be able to pick up the phone and and chat to you about those bits and pieces that are happening in the industry. And we really appreciate your time today. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you for listening to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Remember to rate and review this show on your favourite podcast app. While you're there, please make sure you click subscribe so you don't miss an episode.